What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Middlecoff! Hey me, Hawaiian Haberman! I am, as we speak, probably um, peeling dead skin off my red lobster-colored body. You don't think you're, like, swimming with the whales or something? There is no chance I'm swimming with the whales. Is there no chance that you... Because while I'm talking to you, you are in the middle of a Hawaiian vacation. You scuba dive, you think? No, scuba dive last time and uh, threw up. Why did you throw up? Well, I guess I snorkeled. (laughs) I don't know, like the 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 looking down at the water and the way it was like telescoping, it had this effect on me. We 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 uh, kayaked what about, out. We kayaked out a ways, and just then, the two of you? No, no, we had a guide, and then we snorkeled with the with the turtles. But what the about what about abalone diving, where you get no air tank, you just dive deep to go, you know, pry them out? Yeah, no, that's that's I'll definitely do that for sure. Luau. My first abalone dive will be the last thing I ever do. There was a there was a story that I heard once upon a time. Our buddy Travis Wilson, his grandpa used to have a place at Dillon's Beach. Mm. He had a boat. Oh, he that's right. We went there fishing. a few times. Yeah, we've been, we've been there. I think he sold it now, but he used to have it, and he used to be a big deep-sea fisherman. I remember being young, and this guy came over to his house and had a picture because the guy would take on his abalone dives a, a waterproof Polaroid. Well, when you abalone dive, you're free diving. You, you're not, it's illegal to take air because then it would be cheating, right? You would just get all the fucking abalone. So he, he's like prying one out and he looks up. Well, if you go in Northern California, abalone diving, that's, you know, basically the home of these things called great white sharks. He looks up and this thing he says, well, I didn't say he had a picture. It was like 15 feet long, but the, he said the picture didn't do it justice was right over his head, you know, probably like five feet away swimming. So he held his breath a little longer. The thing swung away. He beelines to the boat, and he says, let's get out of here. <laughs> he wasn't afraid the Polaroid flash was going to alert the shark to his existence? I, I mean, I might have, I'd have a heart attack. Bro. Yeah, that, that is one of my nightmares. I will say, Alyssa, before we uh, left for Hawaii, pulled up a photo of um, you could like get somebody to take you, uh, was it like parasailing, where they, there's a boat that pulls you behind while you're in the air? Why wouldn't you do that? Well, I told her, I'm like, I, I'm not there yet, so maybe I do end up doing it, John. But I'm like, I, I will be so mad. The odds of me hurting myself on this are really low. But if I end up, like, smacking the water and breaking my leg, I'm going to be so mad at myself for doing this thing that I don't really even feel like I need that. I don't even care to do it. Like, I'm not doing it for the gram. I've never had a lifelong dream of parasailing. I've never wanted to do any of that shit. And well, I'm going to be so <laughs> mad at myself if I have to fly back from Hawaii Wait. with a cast. <laughs> It'd be one thing if it was like, uh, 
you know, $800 each. Like, I'm not paying $800. But the problem you would get if it's like you're there, kind of bored, you're like, well, we can do this for 60 bucks each. I know. You know, you're like, you don't really have an excuse. Now, but, your excuse would be, well, if it's only 60 bucks, we might get hurt, you know? Somebody was telling me, I don't remember who it was, that there was like some feature, maybe it was an HBO thing, about all these little, like, guide uh, activities around the world and how, you know, there's not a lot of oversight. They don't maybe get hit with a lot of inspections. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then well, it's like, say in America, I, I got a knock on my door the other day, and the dude's like, I need to come in. And check out all of your, uh, you know, the things in the in the ceiling that shoot water if your p- building's on fire. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Like, I own this place. Like, you get to come in. I just kind of let him. I shouldn't have. And then I got something in the mail that has to be like double checked. I'm like, I'm not paying. Well, what? You know, just classic. All these restrictions. Everyone got their hand in the, you know, in the yeah. cookie jar. Everyone's right. trying to get paid. I just threw it out. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully you don't die and you come back in one piece. Well, if you don't, this will be one of our last shows. <laughs> this podcast will live forever. This legendary interview with Peter Schrager will live forever. Uh, I'm excited to talk to Peter. This podcast is brought to you by John Hair Club and Ease Wellness and Sleep Number. <laughs> Maybe if I go uh, if I go paragliding or whatever parasailing, I'll go Ease Wellness CBD gum or something. To get it started, just to calm my nerves. EaseWellness.com. Promo code HAM. Well, I, I, I just ordered. Well, if you're listening to this, I've now had my possession for like probably a week and a half. But I ordered CBD uppers, uh, like a mind opening, uh, some drops. And I also ordered a PM, some mind. They you put Close your it. mind to, sl- to sleep. Yeah. And uh, I'm very excited. It's called Isodol. I isodiol is the one if you go to easewellness.com or the kinds I got and if you use our promo code promo code ham on easewellness.com you get $50 over $50 the purchase you get a free delivery and on your first purchase you get $20 off so I just don't know how you beat that CBD I don't know you know a couple weeks ago Tiger Phil playing in the US Open they're powering down CBD gum it is not just a craze it works the the Top-notch competitors in America are using CBD. Now John Middlecoff is uh, putting it into his repertoire. Ease, E-A-Z-E, E-A-Z-E, easewellness.com, promo code HAM, 20 bucks off your first Ease order, and every order over $50 delivers for free. This podcast is also brought to you by Hair Club. Hair Club understands your confidence is important, and one change can make all the difference. Well, you know, this this podcast, we could call it the Hair Club Podcast because we got two guys, you and Schrager, with just elite hair, and you got a bald guy. But here's the thing, guy. You don't have to look like me. I've said it over and over. I didn't choose this life. I would have chose Schrager or Haberman's life. But we don't – you just go to Hair Club. Here's what we need you to do. Go to hairclub.com slash hair. We just need you to sign up. It's 100% free. If you're having issues, I've been there. The insecurity, the not knowing what to do, the not knowing who to consult – you need help. Again, I've been there. It's it's a terrible feeling. But you don't need to let it consume you because you got hairclub.com slash ham today for a free health and scalp analysis for new customers, guy. That's, That's right. Enjoy a $250 savings on any qualifying hair club service after your initial consultation. And again, you go to hairclub.com slash ham. It's free. Hairclub.com slash ham. And the analysis, hair health and scalp analysis for new customers is free, like John said, plus 250 Savings on any qualifying hair club service after that initial consultation. As John likes to say, go sign up. Yeah, just go sign up. Hairclub.com slash ham. Go sign up. All right, Peter Schrager, John, uh, foxsports.com. Uh, good morning football, among other things. Uh, long-storied career, killing it. And uh, guest on this podcast. You hit him up. He's like, I'd love to come on. And so we got him yeah. on. Yeah, Pretty simple. just uh... – <clears throat> He, he is right, though, hmm. uh, and we'll talk about it during the show, that when you work in the NFL, you just – the NFL network's just on a lot. <laughs> you know, it's just – right. it's one of those things that – it's why when you work in the media or when you've worked in football and people are like, don't listen to the noise. Well, you just – that's what the noise – that's just the noise on in the background because why would you not watch a network about your job? It's like – what does Obama and Donald Trump – now, they may watch different networks, but they watch CNN, Fox News. Like you watch things that are talking about your profession. What do you think if you walked into Wall Street? What do you think they're watching? 
either CNBC or Bloomberg News, right? They're not watching like the Nature Channel or Bravo. You just watch people talking about you. And especially if you're a, a GM or a coach or an executive, you're definitely watching that show because that's what you're talking a lot about. Yep. It's, and uh, uh, why, why the NFL we... Network, if you're an owner, I mean, that's your network. You want it. You want your guys to watch it. That's right. All right. Peter Schrager. Here we go. You may know him best as the author of The Drugs, Sex, and Swagger of the 1980s Lakers, plus how they'd match up with the Miami Heat today. Or you know him from Good Morning Football. Peter Schrager joins us now on the show. Do you remember anything about that article? The Drugs, Sex, and Swagger of the 80s Lakers in GQ Magazine, March 2014. You know what? I interviewed someone. Who was it? I forget who it was. I interviewed one of the Lakers, and they opened the book to me on everything in the world that was going on at that time. It might have been James Worthy. I don't even know, but that's going back. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, I, I actually I once heard a story from a guy that would know that said he walked into the training room with one of the prominent players from those 80s teams, and Jerry Buss was on the ground having sex in the training room, and the player didn't even flinch. Like, it wasn't even that big. They just went to the next room. Like, it, yeah, it was, was, it was a different time. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, that's – well, I mean, the stories were legendary that Jerry Buss's house was where the party was at, and, you know, Magic and all these guys were going party. Now, I can't tell you what the activities were, but – they were winning basketball, and they were having a good time, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, all right, there's a lot we want to talk to you about. But let's start. This is now the second year you've hosted the uh, 49ers uh, State of the Franchise. You did it a couple weeks ago. Um, what, is, what was this like the second time around for you, and, and, and what do you think of where they are right now? Well, last year I was you know, all in. They won five games in a row. They got the new quarterback. It was right after they signed the deal, and it was all like everyone so hyped about the Niners. They were talking Super Bowl, and then – you know, the injuries happened, and there was a bit of a reality check. There was a different tone to it this year. It wasn't like it was a somber tone, but it was more like, uh, all right, let's be a little more realistic right now. We're coming from a team that had the second-worst record in football. What are we going to be? And it was a cool event. I really am honored that they asked me to come in and do it. Uh, flew in from New York, come in, and like I'm telling you, it, there was no jersey reveal, so there was no Jerry Rice getting hyped, but it was like good football talk, and that team is dialed in. I know fans might roll their eyes and say, we've heard this before, but whether it be Garoppolo, who this year attended the event last year, couldn't because of a scheduling conflict, or any of those defensive guys. Like I was blown away with the, the juice that that defensive group had. And the four guys that we were talking with was DeForest Buckner, who I think is a stud. You guys know is an absolute stud. Fred Warner, who might be the most underappreciated young linebacker in the league after just one year. And then the new guy, D. Ford and Richard Sherman, who's kind of like the old savvy vet. So, the defense, to me, is going to make or break this team. You know that Kyle's going to be able to dial whatever up, and I think they've got enough offensive weapons to be dangerous on offense. I think sneakily that defense is going to be really good this year, and the additions of Bosa, Alexander, and Ford make them a problem in the NFC West. Yeah, the front four should be really good. Uh, you know, one story that came out a while back, and you know, we, you know, knowing people in the organization, they shot it down really quick. You obviously are tight with people there, too, but you got to see it just, I mean, a glimpse just when you flew in and flew out. The relationship with Kyle and John, uh, that there was some tension. And I know that they, you know, Kyle basically said it was it was bullshit. And, you know, have you had heard anything or when you see them interacting, what's it like from your perspective? I can't. I'm not there enough, you know, and I'm not going to discredit the report because I'm a reporter myself and there's nothing worse than when you feel like you've got sources and you say something, another writer who's a national guy who's not there every day comes out of nowhere and shoots it down. But just for my, I mean, look, I've known both those guys for a decade separately. And then at least since they've been together, I've known them and I've never seen any level of discourse, but I would hope like, and this is real to you guys in any organization. I would hope that there's pushback between coach and GM, and it's not just two guys holding hands, especially after you know the seasons they've had where they haven't been winning seasons. But from my impression of it, no. And backstage, I'm hanging with those guys. They're busting chops. That I, I would like to think that that might have been some rumors in the scouting community or some scuttlebutt maybe within the organization. But from my impression and from everyone I know in that organization, those two guys have been on the same page and have – have worn uh, a lot of the pain the last two years together and have kind of turned to each other and leaned on each other more than butt heads. 
Well, and that's, you know, th- th- those those types of stories can certainly maybe come out more when you're not winning football games. Obviously, you mentioned the stretch they had when Jimmy Garoppolo arrived and then the injury last year. He's back and healthy now. Looks incredible at OTAs from what John and I have seen throwing BBs. But what do people around the league say about Jimmy? Obviously, the big contract, um, you know, kind of touched by Belichick, had the brief moment with the Niners, but we really haven't seen him play a lot of football. It's funny how quickly the tune has changed on him for a reason that I don't think is really his fault. When you tear an ACL, trying to extend for a couple of yards, and then suddenly, because Nick Mullins had so much success in those limited games where he's on the national stage against the Raiders, especially on that Thursday night game, and the fact that Kittle broke a record with Mullins, the feeling around the league is not like it was last year after five straight wins. It's almost like Garoppolo got paid before he's done anything, and that might be fair. I mean, that might be fair. That said, you guys saw him at minicamp. Belichick loved him. McDaniels loved him. Kyle Shanahan loves him. I would venture a guess and say that I think we're all going to be very pleasantly surprised with the amount of good football that Jimmy Garoppolo plays, considering right now when you ask people around the league, he's probably not even in the top 20 of the conversation. Just that You just don't feel like people bring his name up, yet he was paid already. So all the things that make him a target, injury, not a lot of experience, big paycheck, that all comes into play in an offseason. The only way he can shut people up and the only way he can prove anything in this career is if he goes out and plays good football. But based on my conversations, both with the 49ers folks and even with the players at that event, like offstage, I'm talking to Kittle and talking to Staley and McGlinchey, and they're all raving about him. And Good dude, obviously. He's one of the popular guys in the locker room. But he can throw a football, and a lot of this stuff is improvised too, which you know, it's not the kind of stuff that you can just be taught. So I think once real-life football happens again, you're going to see a good version of Jimmy Garoppolo, and there's reason for excitement. Well, it's crazy. I mean, he's had to have had one of the most unique careers in NFL history so far because he's he's been in the league five years. He started ten games, and two of those ten, he didn't finish the games. You know, the one in in New England when he hurt his shoulder, and then the one in 49ers. And he's also been paid – you know, on paper it says 100 plus million. In reality, it's 70 million guaranteed, but that's still a lot of money. So it's just yeah, and, I, and it's funny because I'm on the show in the mornings. We're talking about Dak Prescott and what's he done to deserve his contract. And in the back of my head, I'm making all these hollow arguments, saying, "Well, you know, he still hasn't won without this, and he's got to get to the next round." Garoppolo got paid after five wins. So no, yeah, I mean, it's one of those that's and I, you know, I didn't. Parag wasn't at the event, and Lynch was, and Al Guido was there, and all those guys were on board with the extension, and I, I think they still is very much on board, but you'd like to see that investment pay off on the field and not just in hypothetical settings. What time does your alarm go off in the morning? My alarm goes off at 3.45 a.m. Time to go to bed. This is the crazy part. I go to bed at like 9 o'clock p.m., and then during the football game, during the football season, I wake up, You'll never see me tweeting during a Sunday night game or a Thursday night game. I wake up at – this is sick. I wake up at 2.30 in the morning, and, the, and I've got this thing called Game Pass on my phone. It's not a commercial. The thing malfunctions a lot, so it's not a commercial for it. <laughs> but you can, watch a, you can watch a condensed version of the game that's like 30 minutes. So I'll usually get a quarter in, and then I'll watch all of it before the show and on my way into work. And it's actually an incredible way to watch a football game. It's none of the – the BS minutia, none of the commercials, none of the horrible in-game features you don't care about. It's just ball, and you get to form your own impressions and your own opinions. But, yeah, 9 o'clock. So, like, tonight's – or, you know, they've got you know, all these different games going on, whether it be baseball or basketball. I won't see it. I'll read about it on Twitter, and I don't really usually regret missing it. I, do you ever get used to getting up that early? I mean, we've, we've filled no, in on radio before in the morning. It's, it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. The good part is this, and I, don't cry for me, but the good part is this. Once the show is done, you got a few more things to do, and if you really were motivated, you could do things like go to the gym in the afternoon when everyone else is working at their cubicle or, or <laughs> yeah. you know, on their commute. That just hasn't happened yet in three years of doing the show. I haven't, haven't gotten around to that one yet. Well, I, I know you probably get this question a lot more than me, but I mean, anyone in this business gets the question a lot, is your career path? What's your career path? How do I get into it? Not. You know, I remember meeting you. I was actually living in San Francisco, probably back 2013, and I met you. I think we followed each other. Yeah, yeah. And then you followed me on Twitter, and then you were reaching out for an article. uh, And then your career—that's when you were writing. Just give us a cliff note version of just from college 
how you got into football or sports in general and where it's led yeah. you today. That's I'm fascinated. I'll tell you the game. It was a the game we met was a Texans versus 49ers random Sunday night game. Probably Matt Schaub threw Matt a pick Shaw six to start the game. A horrible pick yep. six to start the game. Yep, that was the other Texans stunk. Um, one of them. Uh, my path, I mean, I don't want to bore the listeners too much, but I was into journalism as a college student, wrote for foxsports.com, basically out of college. I did stuff for ESPN.com freelance, and foxsports.com hired me full-time. And I was doing a bunch of stuff here and there, basketball, football, go to a game, write it from New York. And then uh, Opportunity of a Lifetime clicked in when they were basically like, we want you to be one of our full-time writers. That was like 2007, 2008. And I was covering the NFL, and it was great. And then the Giants were on this wild run and won a Super Bowl. And I live in New York, and I happened to hit it off with Victor Cruz, who was the star player of that team. Obviously, that incredible NFC Championship game against the 49ers has the awesome Super Bowl. They have the salsa dance, the whole thing. He gets offered uh, a, a, a book deal based on his wild like season and wild career path, and he turns to me, who had never written a book before, and he's like, well, I don't want to write it with anyone else. I want to write it with you. We get along. Let's just do it. Wrote the book with Victor Cruz, and things kind of clicked from there. Bigger profile. was writing for GQ Magazine, as you referenced. was writing for some other publications, and then essentially uh, inside the NFL needed someone to kind of be in the room when they were talking about stuff, not on air, but in the room, and what do you want to program the show with? We got this, this latest gossip. And I served as an editorial contributor, which is like a weird title. It was paid, you know, nothing, but like just loved it. Like feeding Collinsworth and Sims, yeah. uh, you know, n- nuggets, all that stuff. Let out, let the on-air, long story short, was doing sidelines for Fox. And then Fox Sports 1 launched, and they really gave me the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, got to show some skills there, and now I'm a talking head on TV, which I like. <laughs> so you're really nice to all the researchers. Uh because you were, I respect it. Like that is a that is a thankless. Any time you hear some of those, like some inane stat in a broadcast, there is someone who worked three hours to get that stat. You have to respect the researchers. Those so, are the guys. Those are the true unsung heroes. So was Collinsworth like super into? P- I mean, that was pre PFF stuff, right? So was he asking was. you for weird you know, stuff? He wasn't. He wasn't. But he was like, Chris was such a thinker, and like Sims was like, bust your balls, bust your balls, bust your balls, and then Collinsworth would give some like deep introspective take that sometimes was anti NFL that would surprise you, or at least like not the company line. I thought that version of that show with James Brown, Phil Sims, Chris Collinsworth, uh, was as good as it gets. And it was on Showtime and now they've all, I think Sims still does it, but Collinsworth has moved on to do other things, obviously. Uh, but Chris is the man, Sims is the man, and you will not find a person on this earth who's got a foul thing to say about James Brown. You know, as someone that also cut his teeth in the business writing for Mustang Daily, uh, Cal Poly, when I was in student Johnny in the box, uh, you mm. know, back back in the mid two thousands. You know what's fascinating? Like you got in writing, and now th- there's no looking back. Really, you do TV, you do games, podcasts. What the, the the business has changed. Do you think we're ever going back? Like, I mean. It, it, to me, even like books, are, are books really going to be around in 20 years? Is everything going to be audio? Great question. It, it, so it doesn't feel like it. I get, I get texts and you know emails from people in the league saying, hey, my son or my nephew or my friend's kid is graduating college. Now, here's the thing. I didn't go the traditional path of I go to Syracuse, Newhouse, and I get, or I go to Medill, Northwestern, and I am a sports broadcaster, and I will read the highlights. Like I came in an unorthodox way also. But I grew up worshiping, not worshiping, but I loved Tony Kornheiser and I was a Bill Simmons reader. Like those are the guys that I thought I didn't in a million years think that would ever translate to TV. But in the time that I've been writing, those kind of opportunities came out. And then truthfully, news and information is always going to be valuable. So that served a purpose there. But I had an opinion and all these debate shows came out of nowhere in the last few years. And I could serve as a panelist and give a take and, you know. that's a skill that not everyone has where you want to just say, Hey, here's what I think. And I can defend it. So I don't know what I would tell. I don't know if those traditional sports journalism paths of work, going to the journalism school and learning from, you know, the the people who did it, you know, Bob Costas went here 30 years ago. That's what I want to do. I'm not sure there's that many seats because guys, you know, this, those seats, those guys don't give up those seats. Like Kornheiser's still going. (laughs) And like, and like you talk about traditional, like, Mike Tirico's a young guy. He was doing it when I was in high school. Like he's not going anywhere. And right down the list, you find me a young play-by-play guy. I hate to be depressing for anyone who's young, but like 
Ian Eagle is not a young guy, and yet I think he's one of the youngest play-by-play guys on television. Like, it's just very rare to get a Joe Davis who does Fox football or Kevin Burkhart who does – and even Burkhart's in his 40s. Like, I just – it's a very interesting business. My advice and my thing that I see moving forward, I think as crazy as it is, news is going to always have a value. Uh, It doesn't matter what you look like if you have news and you have information and access. And I honestly think opinion matters. Like, if you have a take – and you stand behind it, even if it's something that pisses people off, there's a place for it on television now. Well, you, you, you're on the podcast with Haberman, one of the young up-and-coming stars in the business, called games on Fox Sports 1. We could call you guys college. Oh, yeah, you did. You know? Utah, <laughs> BYU. Hey, you do that game up there in Provo, you've, you've done it, man. I like that. You know what you should tell anybody that's for advice? Be like, well, uh, Burkhart went from used car salesman to the Mets, so exactly good luck. Right. Figure that one out. Exactly right. Guy, like, that's the deal. It's like these unorthodox paths, but if you work hard, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, I think there's not an entitlement with the thing, but there's all these guys on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter, and I give them a ton of credit. Like, that's the way to do it. Just try to get yourself noticed and make the most out of it because that's what we all had to do. There's no, like, no one's going to pick you out of a hat because you got a nice resume. You got to actually do the work. I think it does lead to something else, too, and I'm sure if someone who came up writing, you've probably dealt with it. Um, there's a difference on Twitter between what is journalism and what isn't journalism, right? There's a difference between a journalist who tweets something that isn't journalism and journalism. Like, is that something as the world has changed, the, you know, the need to, I need two sources to confirm this before my editor lets me run with it and put it in the paper tomorrow. Like, is that something that you've had to battle with over time or has that been an easy transition? I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm rooted in that old traditional world. Like I, I've had editors, Rick Jaffe at FoxSports.com, uh, Chris D'Amico, um, who's no longer with us. He was at FoxSports.com. Like, these guys were hardcore newspaper guys, and you couldn't write anything, whether it be on Twitter or the Internet or any of these articles, unless you had two sources, and you had to divulge your sources to the editors. Tell them, like, all right, this is coming from the general manager of Team X. That has kind of loosened up a little bit. I don't write for the web anymore. My tweets are, you know, kind of monitored. I never tweet anything that's inaccurate. I kind of still play by those rules. But I can assure you that most of the people who are starting rumors or spreading stuff or, or even just reporting things from the locker room aren't going through the same traditional modes that we were all trained in. And I'm not necessarily sure that's on them. Like, if you want to follow someone on Twitter, and you should know the, the rules of engagement. Maybe this person isn't a valuable source. Maybe this person isn't someone that's credible. But I think the cream rises to the top. And if you're wrong enough, uh, enough times, that stuff kind of fades away. And when you just talk, no one listens. Is there a balance for you? Like you said, you've known Kyle Shanahan forever. You've known McVay forever. Like when you were beating the bushes as a writer, you got to just – your relationships were just different. They were cultivated, old school, just pure meeting, the being around the guy. Now that you're a TV star, I'm sure your your Rolodex has quadrupled, right? We're just meeting people at these league meetings or them reaching out to you. Do you notice the relationships that way are, are different? Yeah. I mean, guys come yes. to you. And, and this, to, is, this, is completely, this is completely honest to you. And it's not, and you said TV star, that's using the word star very literally. I'm fucking with you, but you know what I mean. I know, but you know what I mean. Being on TV, I would say this. Guys that did not pick up the phone or did not answer my texts or did not answer my emails five years ago will call me back because they know that I've got a platform now and the rest of the league watches. That's the thing with our show. It might not be the number one show on television. It might not have huge ratings as far as the ESPN shows, but in our world, which is the NFL, every single person in those buildings watches the NFL network and they have it on in the background as wallpaper and they just don't pay attention and it's whatever, or they're engaged in the show. And, and for that, if I'm the information guy for six hours every morning, they're watching it. So if I say something that's inaccurate, I'm going to be corrected on my phone in real time by that person who's already heard from someone else that something was said. So yeah, like it's totally changed things. I'd like to think it's my charming personality and my, you know, my good work, but it's also the platform. So if you're on NFL Network for six hours every morning, if the guys are in the gym on the elliptical or they're in the office watching film, it's on in the background. It's hard not to at least give me that fair respect or credibility that, hey, I'm going to answer this guy's call. So so what happens, like, it's clearly like if it's a guy you knew and they reach out, like, hey, man, just, just to hit, let you know that was wrong. But what happens when a guy reaches out pissed off over something you said that you feel like I'm not even wrong about this? I mean, how does it's that happened. happen a lot? It's happened, yeah. Look, there's been a lot of things that I've been early on and have said on that air, and I've been clowned or I've been chewed out, and it proves to be true. And I like to think that my reputation now is pretty solid with what I say publicly because I treat that with uh, 
great respect. But if I get a, a you know, a lot of the times it's these agents who I don't know or I don't deal with because yeah. I'm not really in that world. I'm not in the transactional world as much where it's, hey, this guy signed for four years, $68 million, and here's the details of the third-year escalator. Like, it's just not my world. So if I'm taking a shot at a player, if I don't like something was handled this way, or I thought a guy quit on a play, and I'll take him to task the next day and say, hey, people around the league don't think highly of this guy or whatever it is, and the draft is the most hot-button thing because these are kids and people don't want to hear that stuff. Um, I hear about it. And you just kind of take it on the chin and say, hey, let's just hope we have a long-term relationship and you can understand where I'm coming from. All right, Peter, we want to hit you with some speed. The crazy round. thing, I'll give you real quick. Yeah. The crazy thing is when you've got to talk about the coaches getting fired and all that stuff, and you know stuff that they might not know, and you're saying it on air. That's when it gets weird. Yeah, for sure. But we know uh, bedtime is quickly approaching, so we want to hit you with some speed <laughs> round go. questions. All right, Let's I'm going to start. And uh, this one, I feel good asking you this because, like you said, you've built a reputation on being right. But I was listening to a podcast you did with Peter King before the draft in which you talked about a lot of stuff that actually turned out to be right. And you laughed about this incident. So I'm happy to ask you about it. In 2016, you reported you thought Connor Cook was going to be a first round pick. He went in the fourth round. You said you used a source you trusted. Have you used that source since is the question. The answer is grain of salt. Nothing he says to me. Moving forward, I take seriously. I won't reveal where that source was, but the, the, I was Jerry talking, Jones. <laughs> yeah. This man said, I promise you this. I've never led you astray. He will not escape the first round. Now, was it a team that said, we're taking him in the first round? Was it a, a, a person who's familiar with the kid or something? doesn't matter. I just, you can't, once someone says that and he goes in the fourth round and you got egg <laughs> on your face. Guys, I also said, I also said that when the Seahawks took Russell Wilson and I'm, I'll live, I mean, it's the thing I'm giving them up. I said this was one of the worst draft picks I've ever seen. They just gave Matt Flynn this money. They've got Traveris Jackson. Russell Wilson is a five foot eleven quarterback. They have so many needs on this team. Quarterback is not one of them. And I have uh, Seahawks fans remind me of it every week, maybe every time Russell Wilson makes a play. Uh, hairspray or gel? Gel. Oh, Palmer. I like it. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Uh, uh, as someone who's wearing a V-neck right now but doesn't wear them outside of the house, does it take balls yeah. to wear a V-neck on national TV? Oh, yeah, it does, especially when you got a gut like I do and some chest hair coming out. But, yeah, but if, but if you have the a, hair, if you have the hair, it works. Yeah, this is a big transition because I always wear these big bulky sweater vests and these button-down shirts. And this year I said, you know what, I don't dress that way outside of work. I don't know why I look like a middle manager on television. Like, I've got my dream job. I'm on TV. I'm going to wear some cool stuff. So I went out, and my own money, I bought some cool V-necks and some cool jackets. I've been wearing them, and I've been, like, getting clowned by everyone no. in the NFL. You know, it's, uh, someone's texting me, like, dude, stop. You look like a tr- you're like the looks, old guy trying to look young. I'm no, like, it looks that's what good. I want to wear. It looks good. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, Burleson wears whatever he wants. Why can't you wear a V-neck? He also has 2% body fat and just looks (laughs) full off it. Yeah, he also, he's the coolest guy ever to live. I'm Peter Schrager. It's a little different, you know. All right. Uh, Why do you still have last year's Super Bowl prediction pinned on your Twitter page? (laughs) I got to change that. Why? Like, as if I was, like, bragging about it. It was wrong. I'm like, Rams over Chiefs, pinned. Uh I did that like around like like right before week two maybe last year. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna put this up there, and then it was looking good, and then I haven't changed it. I might go with them again this year though, so I might just leave it up. Okay, and this is a tough one because I know your buddies with them both. You're an owner. You, they're both free agents. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. Who are you hiring? Ooh. Can I ask you guys who you're taking first? I'm curious because I think it's a great question. Well, uh, I go with, I go with McVay right now. I'll tell you why. I'll go with McVay right now, and it's nothing against Kyle's, you know, ability as a coach or anything like that. I would just feel more comfortable saying this guy took my team to the Super Bowl. This guy's won a playoff game on his own. This guy's done all this stuff. I will go with the sure thing, knowing that he's already got the experience as a head coach of Delhi that than Kyle. I think it's a safe way to put it, but I think I would go McVay if I could pick one or the other right now if I'm an owner. Yeah, it's, it's a hot debate on this show because, you know, these two guys are out. Obviously, Kyle's in our backyard and McVay's the rock star. And, you know, we're very bullish on Kyle and we've stood by him. But this is a year, three years into the league after this season, like as a head coach, you kind of got to make the playoffs. Otherwise, you know, if McVay makes the playoffs again, there is going to be no argument because so far it's been, well, Kyle's teams haven't been as good. And that's fair. Jimmy got hurt. But this is a big year for Kyle because – I'm a big believer in Kyle, and I know you know those guys with the Niners. They really believe in him. We talk to the players, 
And, and they, you know, the players don't bullshit you. They, they rave about them. No, they love them. And that's the thing. Like, I'm trying to think of the, the musical analogy. I, or you can go like TV. Like, everyone loves Game of Thrones. But if you're in the know and you're like really cool, you're like, I actually like you know, Deadwood better. You know, that is the Kyle Shanahan. Like, everyone's going to say McVeigh, but those who are in the know, like the indie band, and almost like Kyle has the respect from the football community inside and out. Like, you have no idea how smart these people view Kyle Shanahan, and he's well-liked by the players. And everyone who feels like they're in the know knows, and yet he hasn't won, and that's kind of what everyone's going to look at. So, I feel like he's the hot indie band. Like they, they might go 13-3 and three this year, and then, then we really got a debate. But until he wins, he's never going to get the fame and glory of a guy who actually went to the Super Bowl. Last one for me. Can the Raiders be good? It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I, I've been critical of them on our show because they, you know, they preach character. They're taking Cleveland Farrell fourth overall because he's a pillar guy. And Jonathan Abram might not be a first-rounder and everyone else is bored, but wait till you see him lead – and then, you know, you bring in Burfecht and Incognito, who are just notoriously not character guys um, historically. So I think they're kind of a wishy-washy deal right now. I don't know if they're going to be good. I think the fact that they're not going to be playing in Oakland after next year does not help them. Um, there are people in the league who are very high on the Raiders. There are people on our television show who are very high on the Raiders. I will reserve judgment to at least training camp to see how this all works out. Okay, you walk the streets with the people of the city. Rank the dumpster fires. Mets, Knicks, Giants. Okay. Knicks are the all-time dumpster fire. Since I've lived in New York, probably 2004 is when I moved here, I have never seen, like, a good Knicks team. So they're number one. Number two is the Mets. They had a couple years where they were, like, a World Series team and they were good, whatever. But for now, they just can't hit. And then number three is the Giants because they've got the rings and people seem to still – have this feeling in the city, and I kind of am buying in on it that, like, deep down, they might know what they're doing, and they might be really good this year. Are people pissed off, though, right now about that team? Because it feels like a lot no, of people I think, aren't in. I think Giants are different. They're like, it's almost a cockiness of, like, you were, you, on the outside, you guys cry about Odell Beckham. We're good. Goodbye. Like, they almost trust Eli and the ownership, and they look at all the rings and say, if, if, if these guys believe that he's not worth having around, he's not worth having around. It's an amazing fan base. In not an arrogance, but in a confidence in, in, in you know, Jets fans are self-loathing Jet fans. Like, oh, we're such a mess. Giants fans have too much pride for that. They're like, no, no, we're good. Odell stinks. We're good. <laughs> Peter, man, continued success. We appreciate you uh, being on with us. Yeah, good night. Love coming on, guys. You guys are great. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right, that was Peter Schrager, John. He was fantastic. It was good. He was good. Uh, before we get into what he had to say, we'll also tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Sleep Number. Woo! Man, maybe you've considered a Sleep Number bed, but thought you couldn't afford one. Peter Schrager needs one because he cannot afford another restless night's sleep. And there's never been a better time to save on proven quality sleep than right now. Well, sleepnumber.com slash ham. And here's what the deal is, guy. I know that you went through it, newly married couple, and, you know, one likes a fluffy bed, the other likes a hard bed, and it's, at the, I mean, back in the day, you didn't have options. Well, the great part about 2017, 18, 19, the recent, you know, you got these sleep number beds, and couples disagree on mattress firmness all the time. We're, we're humans. Not everyone thinks the same. Sleep number 360 smart beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side of the bed so she can be soft as a pillow and you like sleeping on, you know, rock hard wood, what well, you they got the bed for you. Sleep number 360 smart beds are so smart, they sense your every move guy and automatically adjust to you keeping your sleeping your sleep comfortably throughout the night. How, how do you beat that? Number keep, 1 in customer satisfaction as well. Come in during the lowest prices where a Queen Sleep Number 360 C4 smart bed is now only 12.99. Save $400. Uh, only for a limited time. You'll only find a Sleep Number bed at any of the 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com slash ham. All right. Uh, Peter Schrager. Peter Schrager was just with us. Um, and uh, we talked about a number of things. I thought it was interesting that he we asked him, like, what's the league saying about Jimmy G? And he's like, you know, right now, casually – the league is not talking about him like he's a top 20 quarterback just because he hasn't been on the field. Think about that guy. 
five we, years because we talk about him starts, like he is, right? If you just put his career on paper, he's averaging two starts per year of his career. Now, again, he was drafted. I don't know if you've heard of him, but this guy named Tom Brady. Like, would how many how many places if Jimmy Garoppolo would have been drafted to back in 2014 would he have played? Probably a lot, right? He would have been the full-time starter, maybe if not by year one, year two. Let's say the Raiders had drafted Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Derek Carr that year. Is Jimmy Garoppolo still the quarterback? Does Jimmy Garoppolo beat out Matt Schaub? Now, I'm not saying that he's, he was super ready at the time. And who knows? Maybe that's part of the sport. But for four years, he sat behind Tom. And then I, I do think people forget, I guess it was that three and a half because he got traded midseason in his fourth year. Because I wrote an article about him a couple weeks, just how him and Derek impacted the Wentz contract. You and I have talked about it before. And people just were right. And I think people forget, and again, it's out of sight, out of mind, just how good Jimmy has been when he's played. Like, mm-hmm. what it looks like. Because all we remember is, like, CJ and Mullins. Like, that's not what Jimmy looks on a completely different level. Now, what's fascinating about Jimmy is, unlike a Rivers or a Tom, when he's just standing there, he doesn't look... He doesn't look like Joe Flacco walking by you, right? He's not 6'6". He actually looks just like those guys. If you just walk out to practice, he's not the all, like, the all Hall of Fame looking team. He just I mean, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard might have him by it. I mean, they're all the same size. The, the dude, uh, is it Wilson Spate? Was that the quarterback of UCLA last year that transferred from Michigan? Wilton. Wilton. Where's that? Uh, where's he destined to be a member of, a Ham- of the Hamptons Country Club, you think? Uh, excuse me, Wilton Spate is here for <laughs> dinner reservations of three at the Hamptons. I mean, hey, come on, who named who names our kid Wilton? Uh, Harbaugh liked him, but yeah, I mean, I I, I say it over and over. I, I think the sky's the limit. Like, I I think he's talented enough to be a top five type player, but he has this enormous red flag slash curveball part of his career that you're just kind of holding your breath until you go a couple years till he proves it, right? How about Wilt Chamberlain? You know how, how about Wilt Chamberlain? To me, Wilt. You got is beef with Wilton Wilt. Chamberlain? No, there's a difference between Wilt and Wilton. Is Wilt Chamberlain's full name Wilton? Yeah. It is? Yeah. Well, I guess he just did a better job of branding, just start calling about, himself. How about King's coach Luke Wilton? Yeah, see that's that's a last name. Okay. You have to admit Wilton is very, very just stuffy like Northeast. Is yeah. it not? Yeah, I I just don't even think you would name the kid that out west or like maybe southern too. But he's yeah, from nothing uh, against Yeah, he's from VA. Yeah, he's just he's a little bit of an elitist. The name. I, I think he's a nice guy. Seems like a high level guy. Just not a very good quarterback, but better than most. I mean played it. It's like where'd you play Middlecoff? Yeah, I didn't play at UCLA or Michigan. I'm not I'm not saying the guy's some like life scrub. You know, <laughs> just uh but, yeah, I think he has a ton of pressure. And one thing I wrote in the article, like, one thing that's going to be unacceptable this year, like, he's got to play 16 games, guy. He can't – well, he played 10 games. So what do you do? You know, like, uh, strain a calf or pull a hand – you know, just I, – I can't have you missing games this year. I need to get a 16-game season if I'm the Niners. Because that – what Rivers, Mahomes, Russell, he might suck, but Eli uh, – all these Flacco's, the Kirk Cousins, you just chalk them in for 16 games, right? Jameis. Right. I think Wentz is the better version because he's played a lot more than, than Jimmy. But can I get, like, just a Jameis season where I can just make a judgment after the year, right? Why I just have a body of evidence? Or I've got like, three years. How about, yeah, I know. Let's start there, and then we've known. Then can we get three years together? Where, I mean, when we have three years of Jimmy Garoppolo evidence, how old is he going to be? He'll be uh, when we have, he'll be 30, 31. What's he now, 27? Turns, 20, turns 28 in November. So when we get three you know, years of Jimmy G. You know, like, you know what the Niners would die for, guy? Huh. Like a three-year run of like Mariota, where he like plays huh. 44. I, I'm talking just playing the games. Not, oh. He's got to be better. But yeah. you know how Mariota's missed like – feels like he's missed like a game and a half mm-hmm. each year for the last three years? Yeah. Hasn't missed like a ton of games, but – this year went down week 17, they missed the playoffs. Or I guess they missed the playoffs because Gabbard started. The previous year, he missed a couple games. They would just die for that. I, I mean, we're shooting for the stars as for like Russell Wilson playtime. Speaking of Russell Wilson, 
That was the uh, that was a good, that was a headline from Sh- from Shregs. You called it one I, of the worst picks he's ever seen. Well, we talk about this so much because we talk about quarterbacks all the time. I think people forget how crazy it was to draft midget quarterbacks in the draft just historically. Like it, it was never viewed. Russell was really probably the turning point, and we've never really looked back since. Where you get credit. Right. And then it may be, oh, they drafted. Think how weird it would have been to draft 20 years ago. Would any team in league history get rid of Josh Rosen for Kyler Murray, especially with the number one overall pick? Right. When you had just drafted the tall pocket quarterback in the first round, in the t- number 10 overall. I, I'd say 20 years, 10 years ago. Wouldn't you, would you agree that would be unheard of? I mean, especially, it is especially when the guy, especially yeah, it's not just Josh Rosen, tall guy. It's Josh Rosen, tall guy who was a top ten pick the year before, like actual well, prospect. What was the stat? Like uh, it was the Elway Broncos and whoever they had drafted the year before was the only was the first time in league history that a team drafted quarterbacks in the first round back to back years until this year. And that was kind of understandable because it was like, if Andrew Luck had been this draft, no one would have been like, you got rid of Josh Rosen. Be like, okay, I get it. But this is kind of a stretch, you know? How about how Victor Cruz vetted all the people that write his book? Hey, man, I like you. I'm going to write a book. You should write my book. <laughs> Good pick by Victor. Good bet. You know what I'll never forget about Victor Cruz? It was my first year in the NFL. Maybe it was my first year as like a full-time pro scout, and I was going to start going to games. Maybe it was my first year. Yeah, it was my first year in the NFL, and I went with Lewis Riddick to the Giants-Jets preseason game, first preseason game of the year. Victor Cruz was an undrafted free agent guy mm-hmm. sitting there in the press box. Remember, I'm like, I'm in the NFL. This is pretty cool. But the preseason games kind of sucked, but it was still at the point where this is sweet. My, I think it was my first ever NFL game. So it was like, everyone's complaining, like, this level of football. I'm like, this is badass. I give you free media food. <laughs> you know, Victor Cruz had three touchdowns in the preseason game. And you never heard of him, right? Well, no. I mean, it was an undrafted free agent that didn't even get a signing bonus. Like, he was, he was a low level undrafted free agent. You know, anyone could have had him for free. He basically, I think, just went to the Giants because they were semi-close. He had played at UMass. But he had three touchdowns guy in the first ever preseason game. And they were kind of like three touchdowns where you're like, yeah, that looks a little better than just normal preseason touchdowns. But then he made the team. He didn't play. Maybe it was my second year because he smoked Nambi. He didn't play, I don't think, till they had a bad injury. It was like, not Kevin Dyson, but they... Uh, they had a they had a couple wide receiver injuries, and then he started playing, and then fuck they, he dominated, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. He really was. It was short lived, like four or five years. Did, what do you have a knee, do you have a knee injury? Is that the deal? Remember his like knee snapped playing Philly. It was a really bad yeah. like micro fracture on the field. And I remember him saying like Chip Kelly came to visit him after the game. Like he spent like a week in the hospital. Maybe it wasn't a week, but. It was bad. Oh, a torn patellar tendon. Jeez. Ended his career. But he was never a fast guy. Just an incre- It was an incredible story. Like, that was a cool book. Like, if you were a Giants fan, I'd probably read that. Uh, he, he, kind of, he kind of skirted, like, it's crazy what the receiver position will do to you. Like, he kind of became a diva quick. But then, but then it was like put back into perspective. Like when Odell got there, you're like, God, Victor was never this bad, you know? <laughs> it was like, he just Victor was just kind of showed his personality. But right, Jesus, right. crazy, just fun. <laughs> yeah, just dancing with the stars and hanging out. You know, Odell was like, Jeez, Louise, calm down, buddy. Would you advise Peter to just leave Rams over Chiefs still up? I, I mean, I'd say leave it up. Make that your well, 2019 he, prediction. I wonder if he had it up, and then after. I don't know if it was the best Monday night game ever, if you factor in like just probably a little too many points, but it was top five most entertaining Monday night football game in the history of Monday night football. What was the final score? Like 55 to 51? Yeah. It was pretty outrageous, yeah, wasn't it? I well, I well, some salty podcast host did a pod after that game. We're like, oh, this is not my kind of football. I- <laughs> no, we just said that like I, I can handle a no, game I or know. two. I, I just don't want that every night. Yeah, I don't. Th- this is not the Big Twelve, brother. We did learn though that that was a unique game. Yeah. It also, if I remember correctly, Mahomes had like a strip sack, got through two pick sixes, so it wasn't just offense. Even though it kind of felt that way, 
That game was sweet. I just remember watching that the the L.A. crowd. Like, this feels big. Remember the only reason they were there is because the Mexico Stadium was so fucked up? That's that game right. was supposed to be Mexico City. Yeah. That's right. Just saw a White Claw ad. From the White Claw, from, I mean, there's from Hawaii. I there's, uh, well, guy, don't don't trip. I uh, I followed back up. I haven't heard anything back. Mm. We need we need, can everyone start tweeting again at White Claw? <laughs> they're, they're clearly doing a little media spend. If you notice, they're on all these big events. Oh. Uh. All right. Okay, guy. Well, uh, what's for dinner in Hawaii? Pokey? Oh, uh, probably not. Not really my. Pokey's not. That's right. I'll eat a lot of fish. I'm not a big seafood guy. I'll eat fish, but pokey's where I kind of drop. The raw stuff is where I. But guy, I if you get the out. right sauces on it, it just melts in your mouth. Is that what people tell you? Well, no. I I like. You're a, pokey I'm a big guy? sushi guy. Yeah. yeah. I'll eat some, like sushi. Okay, poke. But it can't but look it, too much like raw fish. It's got to be all wrapped up but, and stuff for but me. But basically, what pokey is just is sushi when you put it on the rice. Right, right. It's but I don't like the one that's just like a the sushi that where it's just like a big block of raw fish on top of some rice. That's not. I need. I'm, I'm into rolls. Yeah, with, that's with uh, stuff in hibo- it. not hibachi, but uh, I'm into rolls too. Yeah, it's hibachi. No, oh. <laughs> Samini, shimini, mm. Sash- sashimi. Sash- yeah, there you go. Sashimi is basically the longer cut with let no sauce, so it's just more of like a pure kind of fishy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a sashimi guy really either, but I can eat all day just the pokey by itself and just. Mm-hmm. You like at a you like at a mommy? Yeah, I mean that I can eat. It just doesn't do a lot for me, but it's fine. Yeah. I'm a, I like at a mommy. All right. Okay. Well, uh, talk to you soon, buddy. Godspeed. <laughs> See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.